This is Doug Jones, founder and CEO of Get Elected. The midterm elections were an unexpected challenge for Republicans across the country, but no one outworked our candidates and volunteers here in Pennsylvania. Regardless of the outcome, I want to congratulate every one of you on a hard-fought campaign season. On behalf of Republicans everywhere, thank you for all you do to preserve our heritage and beliefs. Good afternoon, and welcome to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. This is your host, Sam DeMarco, joined by my executive director, John Schneider here, and our producer, Dazzling Daryl Grandy, the man that makes the magic happen. Well, this show, while you can listen to it on 1320 AM, is also available as a podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Amazon Music. So folks, uh, we're excited today because we have a special guest, somebody that's become a good friend of mine, and somebody that is a good friend of the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He's a lifelong resident of Western Pennsylvania and a legislator who was elected on the promise to protect taxpayers, reform Harrisburg, and help bring family-sustaining jobs to the 15th Legislative District, which for you folks who don't know, spans parts of Beaver and Washington County. I'd like to welcome to the show my friend, State Representative Josh Kell. Josh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Sam, for having me. I'm excited to uh, have a conversation with you today. How's everything going uh, down in Allegheny County? <laughs> well, you know, hey, I feel like a fire hydrant in a dog's world, okay? You know, th- things are crazy, particularly right now. Uh, as we look, we have, hey, we got some exciting times. I mean, number one, I need to congratulate you on your selection and leadership here, you know, to, okay. uh, to lead the House GOP Policy Committee. And I mean that—that's a big deal. So, one, congratulations. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. It's—it's it, a—it's uh, a big challenge that we have here the next two years. It, it's going to be about branding, about defining who we are before somebody else gets out there to define us, uh, and putting forth an agenda, a vision, uh, a game plan, and a strategy that we can be proud of as Republicans. And really go out there and and uh, sell to our constituents that this is the agenda that's going to make co- this Commonwealth better. And we're going to focus on jobs, on families, on growth, on prosperity and opportunity for everybody. Uh, not just in Beaver and Washington County, not just in Western Pennsylvania, but across the entire Commonwealth. No, that, that that's exciting. And like, you know, the policy committee for folks who don't know. I mean, Josh was explaining a little bit some of the things that they're focusing on for the future, or will, but in the past, some of the things that they've worked on have been broadband accessibility, emergency medical services, and job creation, among others. And I mean, you know, Josh, part of your district includes the cracker plant, does it not? Yes, it does. And um, and that's an opportunity for our entire region. Actually, the natural gas industry brings manufacturing opportunities across the entire Commonwealth. And that will be a theme of what we're talking about. We are on the cusp of, of, of greatness in Pennsylvania, and we have the natural resources to bring forth a second industrial revolution, a manufacturing revolution here in Pennsylvania. We have to seize it. We have to stop walking this tightrope between uh, the, the far-left environmentalists and, uh, and other interests and just seize the opportunity that we have before us today. Our natural gas industry, our manufacturing, if you want jobs, that's where we go. If you want national security, that's where we need to go. If you want to benefit the entire tri-state region, that's where we need to go. And by the way, if you want to benefit the environment, 
we need Pennsylvania natural gas and Pennsylvania manufacturing. Because if we don't have it, we're getting it from China. And the last time I checked, China does not care about environmental regulation. We can't punish the best actors in the world and let the worst actors in the world off the hook. We need to do it here. We need to do it right. And we have the ability to do so. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, uh, one of the things I'm proud of uh, is the at-large on Allegheny County Council is doing a lot of work here with the county at the airport where we've been making significant investments, you know, because we anticipate many of the downstream businesses to move here to be have access to the cracker plant and the feedstock, you know, that's provided for many of the high-tech manufacturing I, things that they may need. And that's the opportunity, Sam. And I got to tell you, I'm concerned. I'm very concerned right now that Democrats are giving lip service to their friends and our friends in the building trades that want to see growth and then also giving lip service to the wackadoos on the left in the environmental movement. Um, and, and they're going to have to make a decision. They are not going to be able to serve those two masters. And the decision is very easy because you go with the working men and women of this Commonwealth of Allegheny County, of Beaver and Washington County, mm-hmm. you're also going to benefit the environment if you look at it from a practical, rational standpoint. If you look at it from the way the wackadoos look at it, who basically the, the ends of their philosophy leads us to living in teepees, um, then that's the decision you got to make. But it, you're either going to have to be with these billionaires that fund these environmentalist groups, or you're going to have to be with the working men and women of Pennsylvania. And I, I'm not convinced that uh, our friends on the other side of the aisle are prepared at all to have the the uh, the fortitude or the guts to make the, the right decision right now. Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head here, okay? <clears throat> on Thursday morning in Allegheny County, uh, State Representative Sarah Inamorato announced her candidacy for Allegheny County Executive. For folks who don't know, uh, Sarah is a far-left progressive, and she announced on Thursday that she's all for bringing business to the region, but not at the expense of the environment, okay? She's basically just told these people they might as well pack up shop and leave, you know, and that would be a setback for the 12 years of work that County Executive Fitzgerald has put in on top of what yep. Dana and Alrado and Jim Roddy did as County Executives in trying to take and attract business and investment to the region so that our kids, our grandkids would have jobs, you know? The question that Sarah never has to answer, and I think it is incumbent on whoever faces her to ask this question. If we don't do it here, where are you getting your plastic products? And don't give me the BS that we don't need plastic and we're not going to use it because everything we have is plastic. So unless you are really proposing that we live in teepees, you're going to admit that we need plastic. Okay, so if it's not here, where are we getting it? Well, let's look at where it's coming from. It's coming from China. It's coming from Indonesia. It's coming from Vietnam. Those places have zero environmental regulations. Last time I checked, climate change, global warming, whatever they're calling it now, is a global issue. And there aren't any walls between borders of countries that can block carbon and carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. So the idea that we should just prop up and encourage and incentivize more development 
uh, in places that use slave labor, in places that have no environmental resources or no uh, environmental regulations, is outrageous. It's completely ludicrous. It's completely illogical. And if you do actually concerned or are concerned about the environment, which I believe she probably is, if you are actually concerned about carbon emissions, you cannot actually take the premise that they take because it's BS. It makes zero sense. The whole not in my backyard argument mm-hmm. is garbage because we live in a world that has global concerns and global emissions issues. Whether or not we do it here doesn't mean anything if we're still buying it from from other places that pollute worse than we do. Well, so exactly. She needs to she needs to really have have a conversation on that and explain that to everybody. Well, I learned well over a decade ago. I work with Heritage Foundation, you know, and they showed me it was a list of the, uh, you know, the countries and states with the highest degree of economic freedom. Okay, and in every instance. The countries with the highest degree of economic freedom, the states here in the United States of America with the highest degree of economic freedom also have the cleanest environments. And that's because with the prosperity that comes with this economic freedom is the resources to be able to clean the environment, okay, and ensure that we're protecting the air and the water and, you know, and everything and, and everything else that's associated with it. And people lose sight that it was the Republican Party under Teddy Roosevelt, you know, that first started the whole conservation movement. And, yeah. and, 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 and folks aren't aware of these things and they don't understand. So the left will talk about that. But at the same time, they have no answer for how are they going to employ the people who will lose their jobs? You know, if these industries, to your point go to China or Vietnam or Indonesia or these other places. It's mind-blowing, Sam, because, I mean, I've never run into a situation, and this is where the anti-energy crowd is. Like, this is factual. This is what we're dealing with. You're dealing with it firsthand in Allegheny County. Mm -hmm. I see it here. I mean, we have the University of Pittsburgh, a university that sits in the middle of the largest natural gas basin in the world and has publicly gone to war with the industry. What a bunch of buffoons. Like, what cloud are they on? The advantages that that industry provides for this region, for for their namesake, the University of Pittsburgh, the advantages it provides for them, and and that's what they're going to do. They're going to kowtow to these ridiculous nonprofits, to these foundations that got their heads so far up into the clouds they don't know what day it is. It's outrageous. It's... it's, uh, it's an affront to logic and to any type of rational understanding of what is actually going on. And we're seeing it happen too much. And too many people in elected positions want to keep their head down and are concerned to shake up things and actually question the narrative that's being put forward. But, but I got to tell you something, Sam. We have a lot to lose in this region if we take that approach. And Democrats have a lot to lose in this region if they take that approach, because there's a lot of blue-collar jobs that we can have, that we should have, that we're not going to have if we keep trying to walk this tightrope between, you know, uh, being good with uh, these these lunatic uh, nonprofits and and also claiming to support uh, blue-collar workers. And it, it's just it's a shame. We got to be bold. Uh, we can transform our region. Uh, but it's going to take leadership. 
Well, we and uh, I'm hoping that we have it. And I, and I mean leadership on both sides of the aisle. I'm not. I'm saying regional leadership, not so much uh, ideological. No, you're right. With, with being an elected official comes the responsibility to provide leadership. Okay, and we saw firsthand in Allegheny County. You know, when the Allegheny County Health Department took over two years to approve permits, you know, for U.S. Steel's expansion, a billion and a half dollars that they were willing to spend, something that would have put trade workers, building trades workers to work for a couple of years, okay? Four and that that went to Arkansas. Yes. That went Four to Arkansas. Just a building, Sam. You know what happened in that situation? The governor of Arkansas read an article about what was happening with the permitting mm-hmm. and called U.S. Steel and said, come to Arkansas. And yeah. U.S. Steel went to Arkansas. Like, that, that, that's a real story. It's unbelievable. Well, that's, and, and, But that's leadership, okay? And that's something that's been lacking here. You know, when have you ever heard, when did you hear of in the eight years that Governor Wolf was in office, of him picking up the phone or getting on a plane and going to meet with any businesses to talk to them about taking and relocating their facilities or businesses here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I just, I just, Sam, I, the problem is, and I'm convinced of this, and, and this is just from me, my experience in Harrisburg, the problem is, is this fascinating tightrope walk that Democrats are trying to do that ties their hands. On the one hand, they're trying to tell the, the building trades and members of blue-collar groups and stuff like that, um, that they support them, and they want growth, and they want their jobs. But on the other hand, they have to feed this constituency of theirs that largely pays their campaign bills. These are billionaires coming out of New York City and Silicon Valley that that have no idea, either no idea what, what's going on in the real world, or, or I think this is actually probably more of the case than the, than the latter, than the former, or they're heavily invested in China and do not want to see American industry actually grow here because that means competition for them. I, I, I think that's probably the, the, the more likely reason. I mean, the idea that Michael Bloomberg is investing $85 million to stop the petrochemical industry in the Ohio Valley is outrageous. Yeah, folks need to follow the money. And you got to follow the money, and I'm sure, and I, I just follow it, there is investments that are being protected in China. Uh, but, but listen, let's invest, you know, everyone wants to invest in, in renewables, right? All these, the, but everything about renewables uh, is about China. Yes. Because renewable energy really isn't renewable energy, number one, it dies. But number two, it's Chinese-produced energy. And by making that a part of our portfolio, we are basically saying to China, please, please, we want to be dependent on your manufacturing, and now we want to be dependent on your energy sources. So let's buy more of your stuff. That really worked well for Europe when it came to, with hostile actors with Russia, right? They were so dependent on Russians' gas and energy. Once Russia did something, everyone's paying the price now in Europe. Yeah, they're, bur- they're back to burning wood and coal over there. Okay. Yes, they are. Yep. And and they are doing that because not, uh, uh, Russia is not selling them their natural gas anymore. Um, so it, it's a joke, and it's not funny. And we are the we are the region of this country that is suffering the most because of this environmentalist 
uh, ludicrousy. And if we don't, if we don't really get our heads together and realize, like, we have a tremendous opportunity in the next five to ten years, we're going to miss the boat. Right. And we're going to miss the boat because people are too afraid of these nonprofits and all these foundations and everyone patting them on the back and the black tie affairs and all that other BS um, that, that, you know, too many of my colleagues want. We're too afraid of these groups and these martini parties or cocktail parties, whatever the heck they are, um, to actually do the right thing and to be rational and to understand that we have an opportunity to have family sustaining jobs to bring them to this region, not just family sustaining, generational family sustaining mm-hmm. jobs. And it's real. It is 100% real. It's not hyperbole. Uh, it's something that we can seize upon and capture. Um, and we're going to do everything we can in my caucus. Um, and I know you guys are doing everything you can uh, as Republicans in Allegheny County, but that's got to be what we're leading with out of the West because we got to, we got to do this for the sake of our region. Well, we were just talking. You talked about the billionaires, you know, and I said follow the money. I mean, people like Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett was against Keystone Pipeline, but folks don't know how heavily invested he is in rail, okay? And without the pipeline, people are forced to transport that oil by rail, right? And that's that's an age-old fight, right? Yep. John Rockefeller built a massive pipeline system to tell the railroads to go pound salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that that was going on in the Gilded Age, and it's still going on. And they use the pretext of this nonsense. They you know, have these groups that pay grandmothers to go out there and protest in places. And um, where's the protesting of all this, you know, useless uh, space being wasted by the, these solar panels? Like, that's what I want to know. Well, the environmental I, concern over this nonsense that I'm seeing pop up. It's ridiculous. Well, I think and I think Democrats pay homage to these environmental groups, not because they really care or believe that that's the answer, because these are heavily subsidized with your and I tax dollars, okay? But they do that for the purpose of power, because the Democratic Party, in order to win elections, cobbles together a loose constituency of folks, and environmentalists are a big part of that constituency in order to win. And you talked about how politicians and elected officials are trying to straddle a line, and, and play both sides. We just saw that in the recent gubernatorial election. I mean, Josh Shapiro failed to come out, governor-elect, failed to come out and express what is his, what is his position on Reggie, you know? Uh, I, I, you're right. Publicly, he was very much not for it, but didn't come out against it. Mm-hmm. However, I will tell you that I have been told in private conversations he has told people he is against it. People that matter in political circles for Josh Shapiro. Uh, but that doesn't mean anything. Well, that's, uh, the, that's the problem with people that will tell different that's right. people different things because he tells them what they want to hear in order to gain their support. You have an opportunity, Sam, to keep them accountable. Um, it, it, it should get interesting. Um, I think that, uh, I think that, um, I, I, that issue is not going away and I know it's being litigated, but I, I don't, I honestly, I'm not too concerned on what the courts say. I hope they roll with us. Of course. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I want to get something to Josh Shapiro's desk and make sure that we are holding him accountable. And if he's with us and he's being honest, I'm all for it. Uh, let's work together. Let's do this. Um, let's let's move this Commonwealth forward. You know, if you want to be a moderate governing uh, individual, let's do it. We got stuff to do. We got work to do. We can change permitting. We can talk about tax reform. We can talk more regulatory reform. Uh, we can talk about our energy industry and jobs and bringing manufacturing. That's all good stuff. That's all stuff that we all can agree on. That's the agenda that we've been driving for the past five, ten years, actually driving, not what Democrats say we're driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're going to be pushing for the next five to ten years. And if we have a Democrat governor that's willing to work with us on it, that's great. I'm all in. I well, have not I, much confidence that that's actually going to be the case. Well, you know, I agree. I talked to uh, <clears throat> some folks in, in that soon-to-be new administration, and I said that during the campaign that Governor-elect Shapiro said some things that, you know, Republicans could get behind. You know, lifeline scholarships for kids, uh, the uh, cutting of the uh, corporate income tax, net corporate income tax. There, there were a number of things that he spoke of that we could get behind and they, they assured me, they said, that he is absolutely going to govern that way, you know? And some folks that said some of these far-left groups are going to be unhappy because they're not going to get what they want because he wants to get things done, you know? So you laid out a list of things. I hope election reform is one of them. You know, well, there are counties. We're going to work on, we're going to work on, at the very least, voter ID. This is ridiculous. I mean, most states have it. Most countries have it. Pennsylvania still doesn't. We do in a partial way, mm-hmm. but it's ridiculous. And so we're going to keep working on that at the very least and pre-canvassing and getting stuff done in that regard. Um, I, I got to tell you, though, Sam, what I, I, I've been hearing the same exact thing. Oh, here's the second coming of Tom Ridge. He's going to work with everybody. It's going to be great. Um I am very suspect, and I'll tell you exactly why. I'll be completely transparent with you and your audience on this issue. Josh Shapiro wants to be governor, or, and he wants to be president after governor. Yep. So if he wants to be president, what does that mean? That means that there's going to come times when he has to decide whether he cares more about primary voters in California or New York or union members in Pennsylvania. And if it's to his advantage and he can pull it off, I think he's going to try and pull votes from or from California and New York. Um, and I think he's going to leave us behind. I hope that's not the case. I'm not rooting for it. I don't know uh, Governor-elect Shapiro at all. Uh, so this isn't from personal experience. But I do know he's very ambitious. And I also know that if he thinks he can get across the finish line in a Democrat primary for president, while also having a reputation of supporting industry and manufacturing, he has completely lost his mind. Yeah, it's, um, And I don't think he has. And so I think he's going to act rationally in that regard. And I think he's going to leave Pennsylvanians behind because of his ambition. I, I hope you're wrong in that respect. <clears throat> you know, uh, and, and that's only because, you know, we care about the future of the Commonwealth. I mean, when we... I hope I'm wrong too, by yep. the way. I really do. I, I hope he does govern like Tom Rich. Um, I hope he does want to get stuff done. I hope he does include everybody and bring the state forward. We need it. We certainly could use it. Well, I've been told from folks that are on the transition team that it's a lot 
different from their previous experiences, that they're having meetings almost every day. These meetings are lasting hours. They're interviewing cabinet, potential cabinet appointees and things like this because he wants to have all this in place so that on day one he can hit the ground running. Okay. Oh, he, he is going to be active and talented and effective. The question is to what end? Right. That's what we have to watch. And I got to tell you, when the ends go sideways, we better be standing in the way. And not just in the House, but in the state Senate as well. Um, and and we, we got to be firm on this because there's only so many more years of, of bad policy that we can handle before we turn into a New York or New Jersey. Well, and, and that's where our fear is. Now, hey, in the Senate, you know, we have a history-making first female Senate pro temp president there in Kim Ward, state senator from Westmoreland County, okay? And in the House, we have some interesting things that I'd like to talk to you about if you're able to stay with us for the second segment because we want to talk about where we are and what the potential is for the majority in the House with these three special elections coming up in Allegheny County. Well, listen, we're going to take a break here, and we'll come back. Folks, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. Be back in a minute. The midterm elections are in the rearview mirror, and now it's time to start finding great school board candidates for 2023. Convince the right candidates to run using the Get Elected app for easy-to-understand voter data and analysis, canvassing tools, and more. Visit getelected.org and show them the path to victory. Get elected. Campaign with confidence. Folks, welcome back. Sam DeMarco here, host of Elephant in the Room. We're here with our second segment, and we were able, fortunate to be able to hold over our guest, uh, State Representative Josh Kale from the 15th Legislative District here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Now, Josh, before right before the break, we started to talk about, you know, how what we would be able to do to try to block bad stuff from happening here in Pennsylvania should, you know, Governor-elect Shapiro and the Democrats in Harrisburg try to push something. And we talked about the Senate and Senate pro temp, uh, Kim Ward being there. But we talked about in Allegheny County now, we have three special elections coming up. A lot of confusion around those, okay? Right now, what had happened for our listeners is on November 30th, Speaker Cutler, uh, who was the Speaker of the House for the Republican majority, issued a writ for a special election to be held on February 7th to replace the um, seat for Tony DeLuca, who passed away, but passed away too late to be removed from the ballot. He ended up winning in that uh, election on November 8th. So we're looking for somebody to fill that seat. Well, what happens is the following day, Joanna McClinton, state representative from Otten East, uh, swears gets sworn in secretly and then claims that she is the de facto speaker in waiting, never mind that that position doesn't exist and has never existed, but then tries to take and call for a writ for three special elections. So then Speaker Cutler goes to court last week petitioning Commonwealth Court to reject her writs or the Department of State to reject her writs. And uh, because on January 3rd, when you guys all come together in Harrisburg and you vote for your next speaker, Republicans are going to have the majority, 101, and Democrats are going to have 99. So uh, that's the one thing. What, What can you tell us about what's going on right now? Yeah, it's a uh, it's 
Well, there's two things I can tell you for certain. Two things for certain I, I that are fair to say at this point in time. One, no one's real sure how this is ultimately going to pan out. Um, two, uh, if anybody, Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever, uh, that is working in the House of Representatives wants to get anything done, we are going to have to work together in a bipartisan fashion. Um, right now, uh, the majority is so slim. Um, we have the majority at 101.99. Um, at, after election night, uh, Democrats had won 102 seats. However, one of those gentlemen passed away, Mr. DeLuca. Um, so that's 101. And uh, a, a week ago or so, two of their members, uh, Austin Davis, who won a lieutenant governor, he's the lieutenant governor-elect, from Allegheny County, um, and Summer Lee, who is going to Congress from Allegheny County, uh, both submitted their resignations. So 101 minus 2 is 99. Mm-hmm. Now, 99 plus 101, which is what Republicans have, equals 200. A majority of 200 is 101. So that's where we are today. We're at 101 uh, to 99 majority. And um, uh, it's going to that's very tight. That means that, you know, basically any one person on either side um, will have a say on on just about anything. It's going to require us to be disciplined. It's going to require us to be smart. Um, It's going to require us as we go forward to be together uh, as a caucus. Now, the special election situation and um somehow and i i don't know if uh if um maybe maybe our democrat colleagues uh from philadelphia or anywhere else just don't accept basic math anymore um i i don't know uh we have a individual who is identifying as the majority leader at this point and they statistically factually actually have a minority um, so I, I, am not sure what to tell you about that. Um, other than it, it's, it's par for course with, with, uh, their, their ideology of just, you know, it, it's about grabbing power and they're trying to grab power and they're trying to use every argument that they possibly can without facts and, you know, facts be damned. They're going to charge forward and try and grab as much as they can. Um, and that's unfortunate. It's not how we should govern going forward. Um, you know, uh, shouting matches and beating our chest, saying, I am this, I am that. Having a press conference the day after election declaring something that was not factually true. Um, not a good look. Not a good look for, for the Democrats and this, this leadership team that they have. I think they've, um, to be candid, have conducted themselves in a very, very unprofessional manner. But that's not going to dictate how we react. Just because the Democrats did something stupid, um, to be candid with you, does not dictate or mean that we're going to follow suit with something silly as well. We are armed with facts. We're going to play by the rules that are set into place. Um, There are laws in place for a reason, and we respect that. And with the facts and the laws and the rules, we have a majority. And we're going to exercise that majority. 
And we have three uh, specials coming up at some point. Um, February 7th was the one date that was set. Court's going to determine that for certainty here, hopefully in the next couple of days. And once that date comes, we will be ready and we will um, be prepared to compete in those districts and we'll be uh, prepared to accept the results when they come back and we'll be prepared to govern um, uh, when we do come back as well. Because regardless, again, Sam, regardless of how these results come back, whether Republicans win or Democrats win, the margin is going to be so slim that we have to learn to work together. So we might as well start that process now. And uh, and I think our caucus is willing to do it because we know there's so much on the line for the Commonwealth. I'm not convinced that the Democrat caucus, at least their leadership, I'm certainly not convinced, is willing to work with us on anything. Um, they think that, uh, you know, that they should be in charge of everything and be able to run wild with the with the House. And that's just not how this is going to work. Well, I'm glad that you said that. I mean, hey, you have the other side that's trying to conduct, sounds like an insurrection via paperwork, okay? Uh, But you're right. When you have uh, a body that splits so evenly, in order to get something done, you have to work together. And what good is them running wild when any potentially bad piece of legislation is only going to fail miserably in the state Senate, right? So are you there to really do the people's work, you know, and move this Commonwealth forward? Or are you there just for show and want to run crazy bills like defunding the police and, you know, some of the other uh, nutty things that we've seen up there? You're you're exactly right, Sam. And and the question, you know, I, I have eight children. My wife is pregnant with her eighth. She's due any minute now. Um, and I have younger children right now, um, a six-year-old, four-year-old, or five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And um, just because one of them is is yelling, screaming, kicking, scratching, does not mean that you can give them what they want. I, we're not. We are not going to be. Uh, telling our colleagues and telling the rest of this Commonwealth and the rest of this nation that you can govern by yelling at us. Mm -hmm. Essentially, that's what the other side's trying to do now. They don't have the ability to actually do anything, so they're just yelling. They're yelling. We have it. We have it. Beating our chest, making up phony arguments. And if they think that it's smart for us, to roll over and say, okay, okay, okay. Like, you know, you've yelled at me enough. That's, that's fine. Um, it's just one, it's not a good look because their ideology is just ruthlessly bad for our region. But two, from a, from a standpoint of governance, whether it's your home or a classroom or a football team or whatever, you do not reward bad behavior. You don't just buckle because someone's acting poorly. Now, what you also don't do is is replicate the bad behavior. Um, you look at the situation clear-eyed. You look at the facts. You look at the rules. And you understand that this is what's best for the Commonwealth. And that is exactly what Leader Cutler has done. And that is exactly what our caucus is going to continue to do, not just – 
for the next couple of days, weeks, or months, but for the next two years. And we're going to accomplish things even under these circumstances. And I'm looking forward to, to working with President Pro Temp, uh, Kim Ward, who is a wonderful human being and a wonderful, wonderful state senator who's going to do awesome things for our region. I'm really looking forward to her having that position. Well, as am I. You know, and I'm excited to see what you folks are going to be able to do because you certainly are the adults in the room. And I can tell you by our conversation here today, I can see why your colleagues elected you to a leadership position here in the Pennsylvania State House. You know, Thanks. you, Josh, you get it. You know, and hey, I would be remiss. You talked about your kids, you know, seven currently with an eighth on the way. I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Mrs. Cal. <laughs> Abby is a saint, okay? And boy, to how, how she corrals that family. I'm telling you what, if you need a sergeant in arms or a parliamentarian or someone to come in and get the house in order, you know, hey, I nominate uh, Abby Cal. Uh, or a whip, you know. Yes. Uh, she, she earned her sainthood not by having her eighth kid, but by marrying me. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, she has. Oh, my gosh. That was, that was uh, you know, a big mistake that she made. and uh, But everything else, I, I have not seen a mistake other than that one from Abby Kale. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, uh, this Saturday, uh, Republicans are getting together to hold a conferee process to select nominees to run in these three special elections if they do indeed go forward, and that would be the 32nd, 34th, and 35th districts. I can assure our listeners, Republicans will have candidates, you know, in all these elections. And look, and we all know because of these particular areas that it's going to be an uphill battle for Republicans to be able to win. But I believe if we go forth with the right message, the message that you've been talking about here on this show, one about jobs, one about investment, you know, in the region, one about the ability for families, you know, to earn incomes and to be able to provide for their families for generations. You know, I really think uh, we can have an impact because we do have the best ideas. Our ideas actually work. Okay. Uh, and it's been demonstrated. It's been proven. It's just a matter of getting the people to give us a shot. And Sam, I, there is, verifiable proof not just with results that our ideas our ideas are winning ideas our ideas ideas are actually ones that do develop results but you know what the proof is this last election cycle josh shapiro ran on our ideas right yeah he ran as like republican light running on tax cuts law and order permitting reform school choice and, and supporting our energy industry, you know you've won on the issues. It's just a matter of letting them know and messaging that we're the ones that actually deliver results on these issues. And I think it's a good sign that Democrats are, are waking up to the fact that, you know, we have these opportunities. I, I really do. But we have led on these issues. They are our issues. And we have shown results on these issues. And... Uh, I hope that Governor-elect Shapiro has the ability to say in two, four, eight, whatever years that he is, has results and has moved the ball on it. But I have no uh, – I'm under no uh, no delusion that that's, that's actually going to happen. Don't, I, I hope it does, but I just don't think it's likely. Right. Well, hey, listen, this is a battle that all of us are going to fight. You in Harrisburg, 
myself in Allegheny County and all the Republicans across this Commonwealth Sam, is we I look to do better. That I, I, we are we are very, very fortunate to have a guy like you in a county like Allegheny working and putting in the work. And, and I, I can say that from Beaver and Washington counties. Um, and I also say it from Harrisburg, where I do work on the political arm. Um, and I'm very engaged with what's happening at uh, in different areas of the state. Um, Sam DeMarco is an example of leadership that our party needs more of uh, on the committee side and across the board. And um, thank you for the work that you put in. It's a thankless job, and uh, you do a great job at it. Well, thank you very much, my friend. Listen, I, I know you have to go. I, I want to thank you for joining us and our listeners here on The Elephant in the Room. Josh, please come back again. You're welcome back anytime. Anytime you want me, just let me know. All right. You got it, my friend. Hey, have a great day, folks. Yeah, with Josh Kale, state representative for the 15th Legislative District here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Now, John, I'll tell you, I mean, how can you not be pumped up listening to a young, vibrant, energetic leader like Josh Kale talking about what he wants to accomplish in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania here in Harrisburg? Yeah, it's, I mean, that was an impressive interview. I mean, he really brought the heat. Uh, he really articulated his ideas. And uh, I, it was great having him on there uh, on the show today. I think, you know, the other part I think hopefully our listeners picked up on is Josh is mature beyond his years. Yes. Okay. I mean, he's somebody that, uh, you know, he has a support, wide support of labor because they recognize that he supports the working men and women of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. But he also understands that you have to work together to get things done. You know, this is someone who, for him, compromise is not a dirty word. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and this is, again, uh, I'm very hopeful. You know, as I said, I spoke to a number of Democrats who've assured me that Governor-elect Shapiro wants to get things done and is willing to work with folks. But, you know, as Josh was alluding to, the proof is always in the pudding. You know, we're going to see. I hope that that's the case. I hope that he's you know, wants to build his record on a record of achievement, you know, and not of, uh, you know, fighting, right? Not of trying to own the Republicans, but one of how can we take and put wins on the board for the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So it's going to be very exciting uh, these next few months and looking forward to see how this uh, new session kicks off here, you know, in January. So special elections that we're talking about, you know, a number of candidates have expressed an interest you know, we had Carrie Del Rosso, who had been looking at running potentially in the House District 32, decided that, you know, that's not the right time for her to move forward with that. So we have a couple other good candidates out there. We have uh, uh, Reverend Clayton Walker, mm-hmm. who's the pastor of the Mustard Seed Church, yes. you know, and he's interested, Army veteran, looking to run. We have Elena Coliani. You know, Elena is an attorney and a realtor from Oakmont. Serves on Oakmont Borough Council from 2012 to 2016. You know, she's interested in, in running for that seat. So it's going to be interesting, <clears throat> excuse me, to see what happens there. Yeah, Sam, it might be helpful to our audience to also tell them where these districts are. Where, you know, uh, just saying the 32nd district probably doesn't mean a lot to anybody here. But, I mean, uh, do you want to share with them where these districts lie or would you like me? Oh, I would like you to do okay, it. Okay, well. Uh, it, we're going to get you to seven or eight words. All right. Well, a here segment we here. I think we'll, We'll set a record today here, but <laughs> if you do live in the 32nd district, it encompasses uh, Oakmont, 
Verona, Penn, or, uh, Plum, and uh, Penn Hills. The 34th district is on the uh, just out, just uh, I think it's about Wilkinsburg, uh, Forest Hills, uh, Wilkins Township. Uh, and there's a few, I apologize, there's a few more. And then the 35th district is, is uh, the Mon Valley, like Clariton, uh, White Oak, um, I think McKee's. Uh, McKeesport, McKeesport, yep, uh, and those surrounding communities. So, well, that hey, that's given our listeners. Uh, you know, I tell people, I always laugh. I said I thought that I was done with getting questions I didn't know the answers to after I got married. Okay, you know, you talk about talking kids. <laughs> yeah. Right, we always think we know everything we need to know. Yeah, we don't until folks start asking these questions you don't know the answers to, and those are a yeah. couple. So, thanks for sharing that. You know, with our listeners in regards to that. Folks, look, uh, for our Republican friends, our Republican listeners, the election on November 8th didn't turn out the way that we had hoped, okay? Uh, Complex uh, explanations for why everybody is still looking into the data. You know, initially, one of the things that came out was Republican attitudes on mail-in ballots need to change. That is absolutely a fact. It needs to occur. I mean, look— Democrats have used mail-in ballots that were instituted with Act 77 in 2019. They've used it effectively to put early votes in the bank so that they don't have to actually worry about turnout on Election Day. And they use those 50 days effectively, going out, getting votes, getting ballots, and uh, getting them delivered to the central location where they'll be canvassed and counted you know, prior to Election Day. Republicans, on the other hand, they're like, hey, well, we'll wait and we'll go and vote, you know, uh, in person on Election Day. But as you heard in last week's show, you know, with Athens, I mean, Republican, there's always been mail-in voting in this Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. It was just done by absentee. And Republicans used to dominate there. You know, uh, now you have just the only difference is it's no excuse mail-in voting. We need to dominate here as well. You know, so every voter contact we make, needs to be about getting an application in the hands of our Republican voters so that they can take and vote because you never know what's going to happen on Election Day. I mean, an inch of rain, if you get some rain, it's going to depress turnout by 1% or more. If you get snow, even more. I mean, and, and who knows what's going to happen? Folks, their car breaks down, they get ill or their kids get sick, uh, family members. I mean, there's so many things that get in the way. They may have to work late at work. Or, hey, some of these folks have to go out of town. You would have it requested their absentee ballots. There are so many things that get in the way. The good and the smart way to alleviate all that is to apply for your mail-in or absentee ballot and have it, you know, return it at your leisure, your convenience, and and you, and you get your vote to count. Because let's face it, for the most part, you know who you're going to vote for. You know, this isn't a decision you necessarily make on Election Day. It's a decision made up leading up to that, okay? So in a perfect world, if I were king for the day, yes, we do away with it, make it a national holiday, do it on a Saturday, everybody's off, you know, and you vote in person unless you absolutely can't, like you're in the military or in the hospital or something like that. But we have the rules that we have today. We have to make effective use of them. I talk to people who say, well, you don't understand, I hate mail-in ballots. My reply is great. I hope you hate losing more, you know, <laughs> yeah. because I mean, in order to win, we need to take advantage of all avenues that are available to us to get our votes in and on the board. 
So, folks, you know, mail-in voting right now is here to stay. Our failure to elect a Republican governor on November 8th means it's not going anywhere for the next four to eight years. So we need to find a way to take and win with it, and we absolutely can. For those folks out there who are uh, the non-believers who say, oh, we'll never win another election, I would just point to the two out of three row offices we won in 2020, the three out of four judicial races we won in 2021, you know, and uh, here in 2022, despite, you know, all the headwinds we had, we thought that we were going to do well with the red wave, but you had the headwinds of the mail-in ballots. You had the headwinds of the Dobbs decision. You had the folks running around talking about the January 6th hearing and calling everybody election deniers and you're a threat to democracy, and all these other things that the Democrats ginned up to try to take and galvanize their base, okay? But now, hey, we're past that. We're headed into 2023. We have some very important judicial races this year, uh, and it's important. You know, one of the things that back in 2015, Republicans lost all three races for the PA Supreme Court. Democrats had a 5-2 to two majority there. It's in, in last year, or excuse me, in 2021, we elected Kevin Brobson, but it was to a Republican seat, okay? And now we have the opportunity coming up in 2023 to start to chip away at that Democrat majority because it's a Democrat seat, that of the recently passed uh, Supreme Court Justice Max Baer. Uh, his seat is up on the ballot here, but we can elect you know, a Republican to that seat. So it's a very important seat. And then also, we're, we're setting the table here for 2024, okay? And on 2024, not only is it going to be a presidential election year, but you're going to have uh, U.S. Senator Bob Casey is up for re-election. So that means he's going to come off the milk carton <laughs> and actually show his face at a few places here in the Commonwealth uh, as it's an election year. We need to field strong candidates, a strong candidate against them. <clears throat> I believe we'll have somebody there. Very excited. You know, I hope that, uh, you know, um, David McCormick from Allegheny County puts his hat in the ring for that, as I think that he did a phenomenal job and would have been a phenomenal candidate here, you know, this past year. Well, hey, maybe 2024 is his year and his the right time. So we're going to see. But, uh, you know, folks, stay tuned. You're going to hear from us as we go forward into 2023 and 2024. This is Sam DeMarco, your host on The Elephant in the Room here on 1320 WJAS. Folks, until next week, have a great weekend.